Well, hello, pitches. Welcome back to Pitch Slapped. My name is Kaylee Hillier, and this is the Pitch Perfect fandom podcast because I have been obsessed with Pitch Perfect since I saw Unicycle riding around on a unicycle during the activities fair. Which leads me very nicely into what we're going to be talking about this episode as we're delving into another song from the Pitch Perfect movie and this time it's a treble song. We've also got some fan fiction highlights to get through and I feel like we've, I've gone to like a whole fluffy place with the thick highlights this week. I just, I'm just in that fluffy place right now. It's so good. And of course before we get to all of that it's time for our actor news. <coughs> There is a whole host of actor news this week. Like We're just going to reel them all out. Starting off, Hannah Mae Lee. She recently shared the Habit movie trailer where she is going to be playing a character named Jewel. And it's all about a street smart party girl who gets mixed up in a violent drug deal and finds a possible way out by masquerading as a nun. It sounds bizarre and the trailer looks even bizarrer and it's out this year sometime later on. So Habit, the movie, will be coming out. Also for Hannah May Lee, on the 22nd of July, the animated series that she's in, Ultra City Smiths, will be coming out. It's going to be coming out on AMC Plus and AMC TV. And Hannah plays Christina... And the whole series is done with like stop motion animation and it follows the investigation of the mysterious disappearance of fictional metropolis mega city's most famous magnet by two intrepid detectives. It sounds bizarre and I'm intrigued how they're going to do like all the stop motion stuff. It's such a bizarre project, but would we expect anything less from Hannah Mae Lee? In other news, Anna Camp was recently on a podcast. She was on Hollywood Unscripted and she talks about her career in Pitch Perfect, True Blood, all the way up to here a while. And it's great to have her kind of opening up and going kind of more into a deep dive of uh, her career and some of the highs and lows and things that she's learned along the way. Some big Ben Platt news this week. We, we knew the news was coming. We had been teased that this week there was going to be some Ben Platt news and he has not disappointed. Ben Platt has announced that he has got a brand new album coming out on the 13th of August and it's going to be called Reverie. I am so excited for more Ben Platt music and just cannot wait to hear everything coming out on that album. And the second single from the album will be released apparently on the 16th of July. So at least we have something else to kind of just keep us occupied before the album release. And apparently there's going to be the music and the video as well, all coming out that we can just totally enjoy. And in other Ben Pat news, it was also announced that he's going to be starring in a wedding comedy on Amazon. It's going to be called People We Hate at the Wedding and it's also got Kirsten Bell and Alison Janey. The story centres around a pair of struggling American siblings, Alice and Paul, who reluctantly agree to attend the wedding of their estranged wealthy half-sister in the English countryside alongside their mother Donna. 
Over the course of the wedding week, the family's many skeletons are wrenched from the closet and the unlikely reunion gives everyone the motivation to move their own lives forward. I'm already a little bit obsessed with this, with the fact that it's not only got Ben Platt, but Kirsten Bell, that whole grouping together. And it just sounds like it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So I'm well excited for that. And also just the thought of Ben Platt being in the UK filming just fills me with a lot of joy. Adam Devine shared that he has got another project coming out. Apparently he's going to be in a new Netflix action comedy called The Outlaws. And it's going to be alongside... Pierce Broslin. What a uh, what an actor to star alongside. I mean James Bond himself. Do we think that like Pierce Broslin is still gonna be doing as action-packed stuff as he did in James Bond? I mean he already tried singing in Mamma Mia, however you feel that went down, so who knows how this is gonna go. Skylar Austin has news in which he has been nominated for a Hollywood Critics Association Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Broadcast Network or Cable Series for his work in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And alongside that, Hayley Steinfeld has also been nominated for Best Actress in a Streaming Series Comedy for Dickinson. So it's so great to see the cast from Pitch Perfect kind of getting out there. Fortunately, I've never watched Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I don't know where you watch it in the UK. But I have seen Dickinson and I am so excited that Hayley Steinfeld has been nominated because I'm a little bit obsessed with that show. It is so good. And finally, we have got some new Anna Kendrick news that came out this week. And man, does it make me excited. It was announced that she is going to be starring in a new project called Alice Darling. And the synopsis apparently is that it follows Alice, who is behaving strangely, keeping secrets about her boyfriend from her two best friends. When her two friends take her out on a girl's trip out of town, all secrets are revealed when a local girl goes missing and Alice's boyfriend arrives unannounced. This is apparently going to be a thriller. So we've now got Anna Kendrick being in a thriller, which... You know what, after Stowaway, like, I don't know if my heart can take anymore, Anna. I just, I need a little bit of recovery time. I am so excited that uh, she's got a new project coming out and she's apparently currently up in Canada filming it right now. And seeing her taking on some more serious roles, it really is it quite exciting because you get to kind of just see the range of acting skills that Anna Kendrick has and is amazing so i'm well excited to kind of find out more about this one as time goes on and see what uh, happens but fingers crossed i don't have like another mini heart attack watching this one probably gonna happen they're all going all really dark with all their projects lately i just have to get over it by listening to some ben platt okay it's time to delve into uh, our main feature for today as we're going to be looking at another song from the pitch perfect movies and this time it's let it whip I don't know how I missed this one before. It's not like a big song from the movie. It's just like a little snippet that we get during the activities fair when you're kind of being introduced to Barden and some of the characters are wandering around and kind of deciding what they want to do. We get introduced to the troublemakers. 
by Benji and they're there performing in the activities fair Let It Whip. One thing I do like about this particular scene in the movie or this particular song in the movie is just for the fact that the activities fair is kind of bustling with people. There's so many stalls and everything set up and just casually the troublemakers are just there banging out a tune as if it's just normal at any second they could just whip out a little number and yet it still sounds so good i also kind of just think that we often see them in performances in like the competitions where they're singing very modern songs and this one's almost like you know what we've got a little bit of a throwaway song we're probably not going to use it in a set but this is just one that we know so well. Maybe it's just one of part of their repertoire and they can just whip it out, <laughs> pun intended, to just sing at any point. And it's like an easy one for them to just do as a, like a low-key good performance. So they just like sat around, it just kind of comes out and you get to kind of just see the group, maybe in a more chilled out setting. Still with fans, they just kind of draw the fans in to enjoy this moment of the trebles i mean clearly it's got benji's attention so they must be doing something right and they sing let it whip i do think it's a bit of a bizarre choice for the trebles i wouldn't say it's a big song either like i've i've heard it before it's kind of verging on a little bit cheesy but it's not like a huge song it's one of those you've probably heard every now and then but they really kind of do make it their own and I think what's really funny is like they sing this such a small section in the movie of this song but clearly it was enough for it to get onto the soundtrack like the snippets that you get and you think oh yeah that's it warranted it to actually make it onto the soundtrack so you know it did enough to get it up there it's one of the uh, songs from pitch perfect one that you can actually listen to it's not one that i play often just because i'm a little bit obsessed with the bellas and i usually just go for the bella songs but like on the soundtrack you've got like a proper like two minute version of let it whip like they've given you like a whole piece right there <laughs> it's not like the full song but they've given you like a good section of the song they've done a version of for the trebles so like Outside of what happens at the activities fair, you have got like the full, almost like a full performance version that you can listen to. So clearly this particular song made big enough impression for it to warrant having its own track on the soundtrack. So I think that's saying something. So let's just kind of delve into Let It Whip because I just think this is such a funny song to choose. I just, I don't know what it is. It's so weird. Of all the songs they could have picked, Let's do Let It Whip. It's a song by the Daz Band from 1982. We make fun of the Bellas for singing I Saw The Sign, but this song is older than that. And you might not know the Daz Band is an American R&B funk band most popular from the 1980s, originating from Cleveland, Ohio. They've had some other big songs, including a song called Joystick and let it all blow i'm i'm not making up these names like these are actually their names i mean there are bands with let it whip joystick and let it all blow like 
that's what she said anyway the band's name is uh, a mixture of the words danceable jazz kind of merged together to make daz and they've had a number of like different permutations of the band through the years where they've had like a lot of different members and they've swapped out and changed people so it's always kind of like shifting around but let it whip i think continues to be one of their biggest songs and i think it looking at their history it's also one of their most successful songs it won a grammy for best r&b performance by a duo or a group in 1982 it's kind of post-disco funk sounding and you kind of get that from the sound of the original if you ever want to listen to it and it did pretty well as well in the charts it reached number five in the u.s billboard charts number two in the u.s billboard dance charts and it reached number one in the u.s billboard r&b chart and it was the band's first number one and while i would probably say that it's not as big of a song as say like your buster moves or something man buster moves would have been a good one for the trebles to do actually thinking about it it's one of those kind of more obscure songs that it's still got like a sense of cheesiness to it that they've kind of taken and it fits really well with the whole vibe of Pitch Perfect where they want to be a little bit different and do some different things. But it all comes with this amount of like cheesiness, which just maybe that just comes with the whole acapella thing. It's trying to be cool and a little bit alternative, but it's acapella, so it's cheese. So Let It Whip fits really well. The song itself has actually been covered quite a few times as well. It wasn't until I kind of dove into the history of Let It Whip that I actually kind of uncovered the fact that it has been covered a lot of times. I didn't realise. For example, it was covered by Boys to Men. It was covered by an Australian group, CBD, in 1998. There's also an alternative sort of cover version which was released in 1983 by the Treacherous Three with a little bit of a more of a rap feel to it justin timberlake sampled the song on a remix version of his hit crimea river in 2003 and most recently the dj purple disco machine also sampled the song for his version of let it whip in 2012 and in 2015 the song was sampled by lunch money lewis for his song called whip it and it's amazing to think that like these songs kind of inspire musicians moving forward i saw an interview by lunch Money lewis where he talked about including a sample of the daz band in his song whip it and he said that i grew up hearing that song so much at barbecues and pool parties growing up in miami it's a real up-tempo disco song when i heard the sample it really drove me to it and i was thinking this is funky i like it and so like it's one of those that just obscurely came out, became kind of big at the time, and then it just gets heard around a lot. And I do like the fact that he kind of emphasised that it's one of those things that you would put on at like a party. It's just got that little bit of cheesiness to it that you expect to end up in something like Pitch Perfect. It just fits so well. I can totally see as well, it's not as big over here, I never get requested to play Let It Whip, but when I've seen it on like albums and stuff, it, it is kind of that 80s cheese that 
it just kind of fits really well. I don't know what it is about it. I think also because you are verging on that kind of era where you're coming out of disco. 80s is where you got to see quite a lot of more experimental rap coming out. So with that kind of more up-tempo beat that it came with as well, it just kind of all worked for Let It Whip. It's catchy. I mean, it's just got everything right there. So where did the song Let It Whip come from? Like, where did it develop? And the Daz Band is actually a band that was on the Motown record label, which is pretty big, famous record label. Great history behind it. And Let It Whip was from the Daz Band's third album. So they'd already had, like, two albums that had come out and had some success with those but there was something about Let It Whip that just kind of propelled them forward. The Motown website actually gives a history of the song itself so of course I did my research. According to the website Motown the band wanted to create a song that people could make a dance out of. A song that was different in that it would be something that no one had ever really talked about on a record. What kind of lyric content could they talk about that could end up being a dance? And they came up with the idea of a whip. So this is just like how they describe how the song came out to become Let It Whip. And they used a combination of technology and live musicians to create the sound of Let It Whip. So you can just like imagine this whole like, we need something new and original so we have come up with Let It Whip. What, what I want to know is, like, what was the dance for Let It Whip? What is, like, the move that they wanted people to kind of get out of it? Is Bumper Allen, when he's doing that performance in the activities fair, is he giving that vibe off? Has he got a move? I mean, we already know he can do the man splits. Maybe he can do the whip. I mean, it clearly worked because apparently it was the top of the Billboard R&B bestseller list for five weeks in mid-1982. And they do talk a little bit about the remix of this song through the years, like the lifespan of Let It Whip from its conception in 1982 all the way up to today. And they do say on the website, I'm going to read it because I was just like, you know what, this makes me feel so good. It says, Let It Whip gained its greatest 21st century exposure in Pitch Perfect, the 2012 movie comedy about an all-female a cappella band, the Bard and Bellas, and their male rivals, the Troublemakers. With a name like that, no wonder the boys chose Let It Whip. I mean, I mean clearly it made an impression, even if it was only shown for, like, the snippets you see at the activities fair it has continued the legacy of let it whip i mean would you know the song let it whip if you had not seen pitch perfect and (laughs) i do like the fact that they're like yeah of course the trebles would sing let it whip it fits their brand so well i kind of now want to know if bumper allen is doing the whip dance at any point during this performance so many questions but I'm all here for it. And I feel like it's just like one of the more low-key performances from the movie that you don't really think about that much. But out of all of them, the fact that they're just doing the activities fair and you get to kind of just appreciate 
their vocal prowess with this number they're all in harmony it sounds so good and they're introducing you to a song that you probably would not even think about listening to (laughs) to a whole new audience so i am glad that pitch perfect can kind of like have a little bit of a hand in songs that i would not have really noticed without the movie and it's given me just like a new appreciation for let it whip I think it's time now after talking about whip it, <laughs> let it whip for a good sort of like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> like, I think it's time we uh, delve into some fan fiction. So this week on fan fiction, I don't know what happened. Seriously, I just feel like I ended up picking fix that were just ridiculously fluffy in many ways. The first one is called The Most Magical Place on Earth. By disaster coming faster, the summary says Chloe somehow convinces Becca to join her at Disney World. While reluctant, Becca starts to warm up to the idea of Disney World. Though it is difficult to hide her feelings for the redhead in such a magical place, Becca has to decide if she wants to continue to hide her feelings or share her love for Chloe. This story is available on AO3. And I will say, it is a very fluffy fic. There is a little bit of pining in there and it gets, you know, there are points where you kind of go, oh my word, like, come on guys, bring it together. Come on, we don't want to lose it. But I feel like because this is all set around Disney World, this just adds a whole layer of fluff to it that I didn't know that I would enjoy so much. Also... I've never been to Disney, so I don't know what that's like, but I genuinely felt like I could almost plan a visit to Disney World through reading this fic. The amount of detail and depth that the writer has gone into to describe Chloe and Becca's trip to Disney World is just amazing. It's very impressive. And I could genuinely, like, imagine taking all the tips that Chloe gives out on planning this trip to Disney World for her and Becca and actually just reliving it because it turns out that Chloe has been a number of times to Disney World it's something she loves to do Becca's never been and Becca is so whipped by Chloe Beale that she kind of just lets Chloe just run rampant and Becca's just all here to just let her lead the way I love it But that also just leads to some really cute moments between them, whether it's Becca having no idea what's happening, Chloe just being so genuinely excited to be there, a little bit of banter between the two of them, Becca trying to be too cool for school, but she's at flipping Disney World. There's only so many times you can mask it until you have to just accept the fact that you love being there. And so it is really fluffy with the whole exploration and the experience that they're going through at Disney World and just the in-depth descriptions of what is happening. I mean, even down to the types of food that they're ordering, which restaurants they're going to, like, it genuinely felt like you were being able to see the whole experience through what Chloe and Becca were doing. I mean, really Chloe, because Chloe's the one, like, heading this whole trip Becca's along for the ride and she's like giving you some really good tips as well 
because Beck has no idea what she's doing and so like Chloe's even gone so far as to kind of suggest the right outfits to wear there's like a point where Becca's just wearing flip-flops and Chloe's like dude that's the worst thing you could be wearing you're gonna regret wearing that because we're going to Disney World and you need to be able to walk but I love the fact that as you're reading through this and the excitement of their experience that you also kind of get Becca's point of view of just how whipped she is for Chloe Beale, how willing she is to literally go above and beyond for everything that Chloe wants to do. And alongside that as well, her feelings for Chloe are also growing because she's just finding everything that Chloe's doing so endearing. I mean, how can you not? Let's be fair. So there are points when they're doing stuff together or whether it's going to a restaurant or whatever going on a ride where they're having their sort of friendly banter or or things like that and Becca's just like oh you're so great and it just keeps growing especially because it's just the two of them and there are some like quite romantic points in that as well or you could read into it as being very romantic so I can I can understand why Becca might feel like she's getting a bit carried away or it's getting harder to, to hide your feelings and you just want to let it out. And this is just what Becca wants to do. And so you get the highs and lows of all of that with just the general cuteness of Becca and Chloe being at Disney World. And just even just the picture of that, I just love. Like Chloe there with her big Mickey Mouse ears running around. Becca trying to pretend like she's not enjoying it, but really she is. And it's just, it's all right there. And you're just like wanting to know how this is all going to end and come together and it's such a cute little story it's about three chapters but you get this sort of deep dive into disney as you're going along the second fic that i wanted to highlight this week is called of bar tops and birds by tabs b on ao3 the summary says stacy and becca have finished their final year of undergrad Chloe is doing something, but no one's quite sure what, and Aubrey Prozen is walking back into the satin starling, like gracing them all with her presence is the greatest thing man has ever done since landing on the moon. I was so intrigued by this story just from the summary, because, like, it highlights the fact that you've got the four characters, you've got Stacey, Becca, Chloe and Aubrey, all making a feature in this fic. But it doesn't really give anything away as to what is happening in this story, what you can expect. If anything, it leaves me with more questions, especially as I was like, well, what is the satin starling? What is Chloe doing? Like, all this stuff. And so you delve into the story, which really starts off with Stacy at a bar and Aubrey walking into the bar. Stacy's a bartender and you kind of get the meet-cute between Stacy and Aubrey before anything else happens and it kind of starts off on the wrong foot a little bit it's great kind of having what i would have imagined a stacy and aubrey meet cute to be like with stacy just being like well over the top flirty and aubrey is not going to give anything away and probably judges her for it like she's not going to take it lying down so uh, she gives as good as she gets just leaving the whole situation rather awkward until Becca and Chloe turn up. It does feel like this is mostly a strawberry story 
And then, of course, you have an established Becca and Chloe relationship. And it turns out that Becca and Chloe are kind of in this deep relationship with each other. And Aubrey has come over to meet Becca for the first time and kind of, you know, suss out as the best friend if Becca is a good match for Chloe. Stacy ends up being Becca's best friend. And so they kind of all end up doing things together throughout the story. But it is just like a really endearing story. I loved the kind of how in-depth it was in the outplaying of these four friends, especially between Stacey and Aubrey, how this is all going to play out. The kind of push and pull that they have between them and the fact that they are getting to know each other through the relationship of Becca and Chloe. It's the only reason they've really met. Along that as well, there's also this kind of whole history with this whole idea that... Aubrey used to work at this same bar when she was studying her undergrad or whatever. And so you get these really fun moments between all four of them hanging out at the bar, whether they're working or whether they're kind of just hanging out all together. It feels like that becomes like the hanging out spot, I suppose, between the four of them and the nostalgia it brings to, say, Aubrey as her sort of previous job and reminding her of her college days. And I really loved through the story that you had, you had the whole sort of situation where Becca and Chloe, this couple, with their two friends, and they're all hanging out, and they'd hang out in lots of different ways. And that would lead to further things, whether or not it's Becca and Chloe going off to do something, or Stace and Aubrey and their friendship or relationship developing however it was going to develop and were they going to get along or were they not going to get along whether it's hanging out at a bar or movie nights or crazy golf and maybe just some of the antics that they would get up to and I loved the kind of chilled feeling of this fic and the fact that you just kind of got these little snapshots along the way there was no like high drama it just felt very natural and I really loved that. I really loved how it just kind of played out in that way and some of those scenes got quite in-depth and maybe unexpected things happened along the way outside of the plans that they had made. And there's one point where Chloe and Becca kind of go off during a movie night and so Stacey's like, well, I'm going to go. You should come with me because they're going to have to have sex, you know. And so they go off and they end up getting milkshakes. Like, it's not a big scene, but it just... It was such a normal thing to happen. And it just felt so natural that it was going to happen. And I loved how they ended up developing this kind of friendship before it led into anything else. And that was just a very natural friendship to develop. And so reading through this story, it was just like... It was just a lot of fun to just have this real relaxed feeling to it. And just watching this... Stacey and Aubrey relationship develop through this fic and all the little moments in which that grew was really really fun and the final story that I'm going to highlight this week is called I Loved Her First by Aubrey Posen Esquire the summary says Aubrey and Stacey have a moment with their fathers before their wedding a gift is given a drink is shared and a song is sung this is available on AO3, and I will admit, like, I wasn't quite sure what to expect by this story, but this is just such therapeutically fluffy that I just, 
I just found this so endearing. This is such a little endearing one shot. And it's just literally all these sweet little moments, whether it's with Aubrey or Stacy or whatever, and it flip flops between the two perspectives almost of the build up to their wedding. And you can just imagine like each one of them, whether it's Aubrey or Stacy, what would be their final moments before they walk down the aisle the biggest day of their lives these most special day of their lives how that all transpired how it all played out and the important people around them and what that meant you have like little little moments whether it's chloe or becca and then obviously the fathers and i loved how it really went into the different backgrounds of their fathers obviously we know a certain amount about Aubrey's dad and his military background the other side of that is Stacy and obviously we don't really know anything about Stacy or her family so you got to kind of see how this author had imagined that up and created this moment and I love the fact that they made Stacy's dad such a different father to Aubrey's and the fact that it didn't really matter their background it was the fact that they loved their daughters and they had their own individual ways of showing their daughters and caring for their daughters and recognizing the special day that they had had and the fact that their daughters were about to get married and I also kind of loved the fact that with that they also wanted to recognize the sort of daddy daughter bond i suppose in their own little ways before the marriage as well and if that wasn't enough if that wasn't enough it then goes on to a little snapshot after the wedding and you're in the reception where the cuteness just gets added upon again when they do this like sweet little musical number and it's just i mean it's so fluffy whether it's private daddy daughter moments before the wedding or this kind of surprise at the end it was just really lovely to read and i loved how it just flip-flopped between the two and you just kind of got these comparisons between aubrey and stacy's experience and i was just like oh my word this is just so nice and so if you just wanted something that's just genuinely like endearingly fluffy this is perfect those are our highlights for this week thank you so much for listening for today and of course you can keep up to date with the podcast on tumblr instagram twitter and facebook and of course we do have our ko-fi if you do want to support us in any way I am really, really grateful for everybody who has supported the podcast and all the proceeds are going into my pot to help keep the podcast going. So, of course, we should just all go away and let it whip. I'll see you next time, pitches.